Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Would you open your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Tonight my title is Spirituality and Physiology. The last couple of weeks we began to go into a direction of looking at the spiritual roots of diseases, looking at new approach to healing, looking at what's going on inside of us and how it's affecting what's happening in our physical body. And also we were looking at that it's body care ministry, that this is what God has established, that it's the body is to care for one another so that all the work is not being done just by a couple of preachers here and there, but that the whole body is coming together to minister life and healing to one another. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, this is the last scripture I used last week. It says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Folks, when we are in opposition to the kingdom of heaven, we require gentle correction so that we can get back on track and so that we can uh, understand where it is that we have been opposing God's kingdom so that we can repent, get things right, and go ahead and escape from the devil's snare. You know, it's like you don't willingly walk into a snare. You know, snares are sneaky. You're not looking for it to be there. And if a bird saw the snare, he's not going to get caught. Isn't that right? Well, you see, the devil is sneaky. And there are things, he's got methodology that he uses that will sneak up on us if we're not, if we're not observant, if we're not paying attention, and we're not finding ourselves completely immersed in the kingdom of God. We can accidentally find ourselves actually opposing the kingdom of God. And when that happens, we're snared. When that happens, we've got problems going on in our lives. You know, it's like what it says is that they may come to their senses. You know, when we've been led astray by the enemy, you need to come to your senses and see what's going on. And so that's what he's talking about. Because you do, when we don't realize that we are working in opposition to the enemy, I mean, excuse me, opposition to the word of God or to the kingdom of God, we don't realize we're opposing that, we've got to have a wake-up call. We got to have reality check, and that's coming to your senses, so that we may escape from the devil's snare. Now, let me talk to you for just a few moments about the origin of sin. The origin of sin it began with Lucifer. Lucifer was the archangel, and the word Lucifer means light bearer. He was the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God. He was he was in a place of very close proximity to the throne of God. But he developed unrighteousness. The King James says iniquity was found in him. You know, when God created him, he was fine. But he got twisted and perverted along the way and decided that he wanted to be in charge of heaven. He wanted to throw God off his throne. And so that was a real short argument, I believe. Uh, the Bible says that, that one-third of the angels rebelled with him. So there was war in heaven, the Bible says, but... They were all cast out of heaven. They were all cast out of God's presence. Because in God's presence, everything's right. Everything's as it should be. 
So Lucifer was name was changed to Satan. The word Satan means adversary because no longer was he a light bearer. Instead, he was the enemy of God. And so we don't refer to him as Lucifer anymore because that's a good name. Light bearer is a good name. But we don't call him that anymore. We call him Satan because now he is an adversary. Satan opposes everything that is good. He hates God. He hates you. He hates everything that is good. And he's insane. I mean, he's insane. All right? You can't hate God and not be sane. You know, anyway. So he works to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but also to tempt other people to also steal, kill, and destroy. And so the origin of sin started in a falling, it started in a high spiritual creature. You know, when God created the angels, they were holy, they were good. And then we look in the story of Genesis. Let's flip over to Genesis and read a few verses there. Chapter 1. So God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man and he puts man in the Garden of Eden, right? And the Bible says in Genesis 1, 31, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was kind of good. No, God saw all that he was made and behold, it was very good. So when God looked at Adam and Eve, he saw something really, really good. Because Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. They had never, ever sinned. They had never violated God's promises. They had a close relationship with God. You know, the Bible says that they would have conversations. You know, that talks about that God gave Adam instruction about naming all the animals. And and they used to have regular contact in the cool of the day. They would meet together and talk. Let's flip over there to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve were sinless. They were very good. They enjoyed a loving relationship with God. You know, God was the first person they ever met, you know. So they had a great friendship, a great relationship, very loving that was going on there. Adam and Eve were at peace. They were happy. I believe they were deliriously happy. And they were absolutely healthy. They had no, no concept of exi- an existence that was not at peace, that was not happy, and it was not supremely healthy. All right? Well, then what happens? Because the devil hates everything that is good. Satan hates everything that is good. He saw what God had declared good was that man and that earth. And so he sought to destroy that which, was, which God had made which was good. And so as you know the story that... Satan entered into the serpent. The serpent went and started talking to Eve. And obviously, Adam and Eve had regular communication with the animals because they didn't freak out. Wow, snake caught, talked to me. Come on, you know, if you went home and your dog started talking to you, what would you do? You know? But you see, Adam and Eve were at such a place of harmony with God and harmony with creation that they were accustomed to interchange with the animals. Otherwise, Eve would have freaked out. She'd have run screaming to Adam, Adam, the snake's talking, the snake's talking. But anyway, the snake asked her a question. She gets, she gets in conversation with him. So it must have been pretty standard operation, don't you think? Does that make sense to you? That this was not unusual at all? So anyway, but Satan had entered into the snake, the serpent, and so he tempted Eve to violate God's one command. Don't eat off of that one tree right there. So she did it, and her husband ate also with her. And then we have 
uh, chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 8. Speaking of Adam and Eve, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid myself. You know, they had never, ever been afraid of God before. This is a brand new feeling. They have, God has always been their best friend, but now suddenly, for the very first time, they're afraid. They never had a reason to be afraid of God before. Do you understand that? You know, the devil's got plenty of reasons to be afraid of God. But at this point, Adam and Eve had no reason to be afraid. Their disobedience had allowed an invisible kingdom of darkness to access them at the spirit level. When they disobeyed God's command, it opened them up to Satan's kingdom and his territory. And so that those spiritual forces of darkness moved in to Adam and Eve because they had sinned against God. And immediately what happened? You can tell from this story. They had shame. They had guilt. They had fear. They had accusation. Remember when God says, what happened? He says, that wife, it's her fault. You see, accusation, all that stuff, this was a brand new set of feelings and experiences. It's hard for us to imagine because we have known fear and shame and guilt and accusation all of our lives. So it's hard to imagine somebody who has had a previous existence of complete happiness and complete harmony and complete health, and now all of a sudden they're afraid. Now all of a sudden shame and guilt. And so not having experienced any of that before, for the first time in their lives, they were afraid of God. And so what did they do? They hid. They canceled the regular afternoon meeting. They ran and hid. They had never had any reason to hide before. The problem is that Adam and Eve, because they were inexperienced, they did not know the thoughts they were having were not theirs. Adam and Eve were having thoughts that were put in them by Satan and the kingdom of darkness. Because see, Satan is the one that experiences shame and fear and guilt and accusation. Adam and Eve had never experienced that before. And so they didn't know the thoughts in their heads weren't coming from themselves. And so it's like many of us, we have thoughts in our head and we think they're ours. Folks, all those thoughts are not yours. And so, so they, had, they received those thoughts. In Romans 5.12, it says that sin entered into the world through one man. And because of that, death entered into the world as well. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they not only wrecked their own existence, but they wrecked it for all of us too. Now, before we get mad and blame Adam and Eve, look, these guys had no wounds. They had no childhood trauma. They had no rejection by the high school boyfriend. They had none of that stuff. They were at the finest, you know, the finest uh, creation God had ever made, and yet they missed it. Folks, you and I have had sinful parents, sinful upbringing. We've been hurt. We've been wounded. We've been rejected. So we're naturally going to sin a lot easier than these guys, okay? If they couldn't pull it off, what makes you think any of the rest of us could? I got good news for you. You need a Savior. You can't live it without Him. And this is why He came, because He knows you can't make it. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? He knows what you need and provides it in advance for you. 
So because of Adam and Eve's sin, it says sin entered the world and not only the world, but the human race. Now let's look at verse 11 from chapter 3. So they're talking to God and God says, Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? Who told them? They didn't know on their own. The devil said, Ha ha, you're naked. (laughs) You see, that thought was not theirs. The thought had come from outside. But now, see, they're open, receptive. They're hearing these thoughts, and they think that they're theirs. But God's going, hey, who told you this? Trying to get them to wake up, folks. All these thoughts are not yours. Somebody's been lying to you. Somebody has told you something. You say, yeah, but they were naked. What happened was they had lost the glory of God as a covering. When a person, you know, you think about it. The Bible speaks about the Lord Jesus in a robe of white and all that. He's a spirit being, right? We're talking about angels. They're wearing clothing. They're wearing the glory of God. In the natural realm, when the glory of God was left with them, they didn't have anything to cover up with. Before that time, I believe they were covered in a light garment. Okay? So after that, now they've got to get covered. So, verse, middle of verse 11. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, well, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, that is, this serpent participated and agreed with what Satan had suggested. You see, the snake, remember when God created creation, they were all, everything was good. Up to this point, the snake was a good creature, okay? Messed in, messed up, and not only his, you know, his being, but everybody else. So it says, the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you, sh- you will go, which means he didn't go on his belly before, which means he was probably upright. That's what your Bible says, right? If he used to be crawling on his belly, why would God say you're going to crawl on your belly? He said you're going to crawl on your belly because he hadn't done it before. Okay? So, crawling on his belly and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He, will, he shall bruise you on the head, you will bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Parenthetical note. Husbands ruling over wives is part of the curse. Verse 17. Then to Adam he said, (laughs) I'm not making it up. Adam and Eve were intended to reign together as a team. With this, the the curse brought forth domination. All right? And yet, women still want it. Your, Your desire will be for your husband. I've seen so many women get into a battered, bad situation, and they still go back. It's an unhealthy relationship, but they don't know how to receive from a health relationship. And many women, they get themselves in a bad situation. But that's part of the curse. Okay? Verse um, 17. Then to Adam he said, Because you listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. 
because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Do we understand here that when Adam opened the door to the kingdom of darkness, it perverted everything on the earth. It perverted the relationships between men and women. It perverted the, our, our ability to produce agriculture or our produce on the job. That means you're going to have to sweat and work hard. Adam didn't sweat and work hard before this. They didn't have weeds in the garden before this. Boy, they had them now. They had all kinds of difficulty and trouble and pain and disease came into their lives because of disobedience. But God did not create it that way in the beginning. Because when he created it, it was very good, right? So from this point on, because Adam and Eve have, as, the, as the, the, the only people on the earth, they had the authority that God had given them to rule and reign on the earth. When they violated God's law, they gave authority to Satan over their lives and over all their domain. And this is why the earth is now cursed is from, from this point on. And so from this point on, Satan and the kingdom of darkness have used humans to express their evil nature. Not too much longer after this happened, Satan inspired their kids. He inspired their son Cain to get jealous of and angry of his twin brother Abel, and he murdered him. First murder happened not too long after this, and it was a religious act. Huh, did you know that? It was a religious act, argument. Satan also put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. You know, those thoughts of evil, those things come from the kingdom of darkness. Nobody had ever thought about harming another person until this sin. Nobody had ever, had not entered their minds to do anything but walk in perfect harmony and love and health until Satan came and put these things in people's heads. Folks, our thoughts come from three sources. They come from ourselves, they come from God, and they come from Satan's kingdom. And the thing is that sometimes you can't tell because it sounds like you. When the devil puts thoughts in your head, he says things like, who do they think they are talking to you like that or talking to me like that? He makes him sound like he's you. Well, they're just being rude. Well, they're just being mean. They're trying to cheat me. Those thoughts are not coming from you. They're coming from the enemy trying to get you to believe them and buy in and trying to get you to enter into fear, anger, jealousy, rage, whatever kind of a negative emotion. The Bible says in Romans 6.16 that when we present ourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, we are slaves of the one we obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Once Adam and Eve had sinned, they found themselves slaves of Satan. Think about it. Adam and Eve had a really happy marriage before this. Now what's happened? There has been a spiritual change for the bad that's happened inside of them. Now Adam looks at the, his wife, the love of his life, the one exactly chosen, handpicked by God, ideal for him, and she's got the nature of the devil. They had a happy marriage before this point, you know. She looks at her husband, the one that she's admired and respected and loved and been thrilled to live with, and all of a sudden, she don't like him anymore because he's, been, he's, got the, he's got the attitudes of the kingdom of darkness. Now, I mean, she's already knowing that he's already accused her, so they're already getting into it. How many of you think this is, this is what happened? You know, I mean, Adam and Eve loved each other, knew each other, but now things had changed. Now there was a breakdown of their relationship. There was suspicion now. Now there was fighting, there was problems. 
And it took a while because up to now, they've not really been hurt or wounded or anything. But as they grow, things multiply. Isn't that how life is? You know, you start out, you can overlook something pretty quick, but then when you have two offenses, three offenses, four offenses, five offenses, it gets harder and harder to let go. Harder and harder things to deal with. Adam and Eve had violated the command of God. They had found themselves in opposition to God's kingdom. And so they needed gentle correction to come back. And so, you know, God in his mercy, he put the cherubim at the entranceway. He drove them out of, the, out of the Garden of Eden. He put the cherubim with the fiery swords in front of it so that they could not get in there and get a hold of the tree of life. Because if they had eaten of the tree of life, they would have been forever doomed to live in that spiritual condition they were in. So God, this mercy, covered them and would not let them make things worse for themselves. You know, God, I mean, you know, you think about this. God's heart's broken. He loves these people. Up until a short time ago, these are the very height of his creation. The people he enjoyed friendship with every day. When we are opposing ourselves, we need to have correction to bring us back. We need to have correction in a, that is gentle, that is loving, that is lined up with the word of God. If we are opposing ourselves, if we are disobedient, either in our personal lives or in our generations, in our family line, then it gives permission for the curse of disease to come into your life. What Adam and Eve did was open up and made things automatically worse for their kids and worse for their grandkids, right? Up until this point, there was no sickness and disease. But sickness and disease began to show up because of personal sin and generational sin. You know, sickness and disease is a curse. It's not a blessing. Because you know what? There's no sickness and disease in heaven. Where God lives, everybody's healthy, everybody's happy, everybody's good. That's the way it was in the Garden of Eden before the fall, right? But if there is disobedience, it's going to produce something that you don't want in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 26.2, Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, so a curse without cause does not alight. You know, sometimes we're wondering, you know, how come I got sick? How come grandma got sick? How come, you know, I got this disease or this condition? And you know what people will tell you? Oh, it just happens. It just, it just happens. That is not true. The Bible says the curse causeless does not come. That means it will not come into your life unless it's got access and a reason. And it may not be from something you have done. It may be something that's done by your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, maybe going back several generations. But because nobody has ever dealt with the root of that thing, that curse is going on to every subsequent generation. How many of you noticed Great-grandma had, you know, high blood pressure. My grandpa had high, high blood pressure. My, both my parents got high blood pressure, so I guess I'm supposed to have high blood pressure. Well, you can receive the curse if you want to, but I think that we need to learn how to stop these things from going on. And not only that, but it's the thought of the devil that will tell you you're doomed to it. This runs in your family line. You've got the genes. You've, it's going to happen to you. Folks, you cannot afford to believe that kind of garbage. Because that, those are not your thoughts. You know what? Haven't you noticed that in a family line, 
that sometimes you'll see a disease will come down one, two, three generations and skip a generation? I've seen it. And then it's, uh, it'll pick up again, and then skip. it doesn't get every member of the generation. It doesn't affect everybody in the bloodline, but it affects only one now and then. Folks, if it skips anybody at all, it ought to skip us, right? Because you know what? We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So we're going to have to, to look into ourselves personally and say, where is it that we are opposing the, the kingdom of God that is making us to where we are in a snare of the enemy? So this is, gonna, this is why it's going to take general correction. I'm telling you, folks, it's going to take humility. It's going to take humility to get healed. Because we're talking about spiritual roots of diseases. How did this thing get access in your life? You're going to have to humble yourself to be honest about how this thing got in. Things just don't happen. It had an open door somehow or else you wouldn't be dealing with it today. Now, having said that, this is not condemnatory. This is not condemning anybody. As I've told y'all, this is gentle correction we're going to deal with. We're going to look at, over a period of time, we're going to make arrangements for everybody to be able to take whatever conditions they've got, to discover the spiritual roots of those conditions so that you can get corrected back to the kingdom of God, stop opposing yourself, and stop being sick. I think that's a good plan. But this is going to require humility. Folks, everybody is a work in progress, myself included. I told you some things about myself last week. Okay, there is nobody who's got this 100% together except Jesus Christ. Everybody else has got something they're dealing with. And you might say, well, I'm pretty healthy. I don't really have any problems. But if I poked long enough, I bet I'd find something. You ever had a headache? You ever had a cramp? You ever had an athlete's foot? You ever had hemorrhoids? I mean, these are things which are really common that people have. Do you think Adam had any of those things before the fall? Absolutely not. Then how come they got in you and how come they got in me? Because somehow, the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He found an open avenue to get in. You know, he just can't get in everywhere. He can only get in where there's a wedge for him. It was many years ago, I used to live in a, an old farmhouse next to a church. We were living in the parsonage, actually. They'd come by, they think we're the pastor. Like, no, we drove out there to church somewhere. But it was an old farmhouse, and it was kind of in the country. And, and every time the weather would get cold, I had field mice coming in my house. Well, I don't know how many of you have had to experience anything like that, but it's gross. And so what I immediately am doing is looking for how are they getting in. And I was plugging every possible hole. I remember one time I bought a box of steel wool pads to go around this one place because it was an old house that I thought they might be, you know, getting in. And field mice don't need but a very tiny opening to get in because they can kind of flatten out, you know. It's, it's, it's weird and creepy and gross, but, but they, can, they can do it, you know. But my feeling is, is when the weather got cold, you know, that's when they came in looking for, you know, warm weather, you know, get out of the cold. And I'm thinking, not my house, so we're going to find out where did they get in. 
It's not accusing anybody. It's not poking the finger. You're a horrible, rotten person, and that's why you've got these problems in your life. No, it's not that. It's just like, you know what? Everybody's probably got a hole somewhere, and here, you know, here comes a mouse. Or here, you know, here came a sickness. Here came a condition. Let's humble ourselves and say, okay, we obviously have a problem, and let's get rid of it, okay? I really, it's so important to me that nobody feels condemned and judged about any of this. It's so important to me that we understand it's going to take humility because some of it is going to be a little bit embarrassing. When you find out what the roots of some of these things are, it's going to be a little bit embarrassing. You know what? Better to be embarrassed for a short period of time so you know what your problem is, so you know you can deal with it, so then you can turn around and get healed and get free. Isn't that right? Okay. All right. Let's look at Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7. We're going to look at the snare. What has Satan learned about human beings for the last 6,000 years? How come it is that so many people are sick? How is it that he has found so many open doors, just waltz right in? Deuteronomy 7, verse 12. It says here, Then it shall come about, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you his covenant and his loving kindness, which he swore to your forefathers. He will love you and bless you and multiply you. Look what God's heart is towards us, to love us, to bless us, to multiply you. That's what God's heart is towards each one of us, all right? Just as it was for Adam and Eve. His heart was to bless them, to love them, to multiply them. He will also bless the fruit of your womb, that's your children. The fruit of your ground, that's your job. That's your, how you produce for your family. Your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of your herd, the young of your flock, in the land which he swore to your forefathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. The Lord will remove from you all sickness, and he will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt which you have known, but he will lay them on all those who hate you. God's intent for us is to experience his love and his blessing. But what's the condition here in verse 7? It's because you listen to these commandments and keep them and do them. You see, this is not about legalism. This is not about legalism. This is about spiritual law and principles. Understand that the devil knows after 6,000 years of observation, he's learned a few things about the human race. And what he knows is that if he can get at you spiritually, if he can get into you spiritually, then he can also deal with your psychology. He can control your psychology and then control your physiology. How did the first sicknesses come into the world? Not until after a spiritual door was made open. So when a spiritual door was open, a spiritual door affected the psychology, people, how they begin to think, the emotions, things that begin to happen. And next thing you know, the physical body is demonstrating, manifesting what that spiritual root and that emotional stuff that's going on inside. The Bible says in Proverbs 17:22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. That scripture always, always just, you know, got my attention. It would make me think about that for a long time. A joyful heart is good medicine. 
This is not just nice poetry, folks. There are things that happen in your physical body when you're joyful. You have endorphins that are released, right? Endorphins are released. You, your health and your immune system are actually boosted when you smile and laugh. And that's why, you know, I've told you before, there was a story of the man, I think it was Jack Canfield or someone from many years ago, who was diagnosed with some awful disease. And so he went and he just decided to watch I Love Lucy reruns for days. And he laughed himself to health. A joyful heart is good medicine. That's why, folks, some people have a natural tendency to want to listen to depressing music, watch depressing movies, and read depressing books. You know what, folks? That stuff's not healthy for you. It can make you sick, okay? It says a broken spirit dries up the bones. So I wondered about that, a broken spirit drying the bones. Why the bones? The Bible says in Leviticus 17, 14, that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Do you know where your blood is formed, where it's made? It's inside the marrow of your bones. So a broken spirit is going to dry up where your blood is being made in your, bar in your marrow. This means your immune system is being compromised because of a broken spirit. If you have a broken heart, if you have all kinds of negative things happen in your emotion, it is tearing your immune system down. The very thing that God has enabled, he says a joyful heart is medicine. A joyful heart will bring healing, but a broken spirit will cause you to become sick. Do you know that Satan wants your immune system to be destroyed? And he understands enough about human physiology to understand that your immune system is destroyed when you have the wrong amounts of cortisol, interleukin-2, uh, excessive B-cell activity, when those things are going on inside of a person's immune system, inside the blood, your immune system starts getting compromised and weakened. There's a, there's a term that you may remember from high school biology. It's called homeostasis. Homeostasis is a term that means when all your body systems are in balance with one another. God's on his thrones, all's right with the world. Homeostasis is a condition of harmony of everything going on inside of your body. Well, by controlling your thoughts, the enemy can control your nervous system and produce pain. Have you heard the term psychogenic pain? That means pain out of the soul. It's physical pain like fibromyalgia. It's physical pain, but the roots of it are in the soul. You see, the devil knows that if he can get you to think certain things, that you will be your own worst enemy. You will tear your own immune system down. You see, there's a lot of times we blame the devil, but some of these folks, it's just our own fault. It's because we have not done what the Word of God has told us to do about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Every thought that you and I have, whether it's a conscious thought or whether it's an unconscious thought, every thought we have releases, uh, it releases chemical neurotransmitter hormones. Make sure I said that right. Chemical neurotransmitter hormones or nerve signals. They're released with every thought that you have. Think about this for a second. You're walking down the street one day, and all of a sudden, here comes a dog. If you see a dog and you have been hurt or you're afraid of dogs, what is going to happen is that, your, that, that feelings, the thoughts you have about the dog, is going to trigger a 
physical response in your body. You're going to find your pace, your heartbeat picking up a little bit, maybe starting to sweat a little bit, maybe starting to get nervous and look for a place to run. What's happened? It's what you have perceived about what you saw. Somebody else who loves dog would just think, oh, isn't that nice? Nice little friendly puppy and not have those type of physical changes going on. Every thought you have is releasing something in your body because you have what's called the hypothalamus gland. The hypothalamus gland is the mother gland. It's the one that is working to regulate all these other glands in your body. So when you see the dog and you're afraid, your adrenal glands kick in on the back of your kidneys. They kick in and give you that immediate strength or, or power or whatever you need. It's the fight or flight feeling, right? So that you have immediately resources available that if you need to run or fight, you can do it. It means it pulls, when, that, when those chemicals are released in your body, it stops your digestion. It stops anything else going on in your body. It pulls the, their energy and resources into your, into your heart, into your lungs, because you might have to run really fast right now. And you see, and all you did was it was, a, it was an emotional response to something that you saw out there. But God has designed the hypothalamus gland to interpret everything based upon what you're thinking. And so that gland is telling all the rest of the glands in your physical body just discrete a little bit more here or not so much there. More of this, less of that. Because the hypothalamus gland is trying to keep you in a place of homeostasis. It's trying to keep everything about you balanced, okay? The hypothalamus gland works the way God designed it to. When you are at peace with God, yourself, and others, everything is hunky-dory inside this body. Everything is wonderful. Everything's working the way it's supposed to because the hypothalamus is interpreting all that peace and you're winding up with peace in your physical body. The hypothalamus gland directly affects the autonomic, autonomic nervous system. It links the nervous system with the endocrine system. That's all of your different glands, all your hormones. It links them all together. And those are the two major systems of your physical body the nervous system, and the endocrine system. These two are the major things to control what's going on inside of you. And so the hypothalamus is listening to your soul and your spirit through the brain, the brain part of the brain that deals with emotions, huh, emotions, motivation, and memory. So what's happening when your gland is listening to your emotions? Your gland is listening to your motivation. Your gland is listening to your memories. It's secreting out stuff into your body based upon what's going on inside of your mind. What's going on inside of your soul. This is how God designed it to work. But the problem is, folks, it's working against us. It's working against us. Didn't Jesus say, as a man thought in his heart, so he was? Doesn't the Bible say to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life? We didn't realize how serious and literal that was. It's serious and it's literal. We've got to get believers to quit being their own worst enemies. How many of you ever heard the expression or used the expression, he's just making himself sick with worry? Exactly. Haven't we watched somebody, they fall in love, they get the heart broken, and what happened? They can't eat. They can't sleep. They, they feel bad all the time, right? 
It's because of what's going on on the inside of them that's causing these kinds of physical things. Now, as your hypothalamus gland is listening to what's going on in your emotions, in your motivation, in your memory, listening to your spirit, listening to your soul, it's secreting all these, these um, hormones into your body because it's trying to get you back to homeostasis, trying to get you into everything in the balance. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The thing is that if we are in a prolonged period of stress, if you're in a prolonged period of danger, do you know what? That after a while, chronic stress, everybody should know this, chronic stress is not healthy, right? Because what happens in stress that you're, you are feeding upon fear and anxiety, and what's happened is it is releasing these things into your physical body. The, adre the adrenaline that's supposed to go into your physical body is only supposed to be for short bursts at a time. You're not supposed to live on adrenaline. If you live on adrenaline, it will wear you out. Uh, years ago, I heard about um, some people were talking about basically adrenaline, uh, being addicted to adrenaline, and people would put themselves into, um, you know, deadline, last-minute kind of situations because they liked the adrenaline rush of power, and so they would live their lives deliberately on the edge to get that rush. Well, guess what that, that does to your adrenal glands? It burns them out to where you don't really have it when you need it later on, Okay. Hypo, that's, you know, not enough, or hyper, too much, secretion of hormones and neurotransmitters will cause disease. If you've got too much coming or not enough coming, it will cause disease. Do you know the hypothalamus can create 100 diseases? Just trying to balance what's going on in your soul and your spirit. It's working as God designed it. It's trying to balance it out. See, the problem is it's what's going on inside of us, isn't it? As some of y'all know, I had a rough couple of months here a little while back, and I decided to go down and get a massage because my back was in knots. And I went in there, and I got a massage, and she was like, Man, what have you been doing? I said, Way too much drama in my life for several weeks now. And she was like, Man, I've never seen things. She says, Your back's like a rock. I'm like, I know it, I know it. And she was beating me up really good, you know. And, and, uh, and I kept telling myself, if you let go, she'll stop. If you let go, she'll stop. Because, I mean, it was unpleasant. It was. But I knew she had to work the tension because there was so much tension that was in my back. And as I was, as I was you know, talking to her about it later, and I said, you know, I said, I just had so much that got dumped on me. It was really hard to try to release things and, and walk out. She says, you know, it's just your body trying to deal with what's going on inside. My massage therapist said that. She says, this is just your body trying to process what's going on. Well, I knew it. I mean, haven't we all? You're working on your income taxes, and all of a sudden, you got a headache the size of outdoors, right? I mean, what's going on? We have all experienced things like that, and we knew what caused it. We knew it was something that we were thinking or that we were feeling. So if the hypothalamus can create all these diseases, and if... We wind up with too much or not enough of something, and a condition is formed in our bodies. How are we going to get healed from it? The secretions, the hormones, are going to have to be brought back into balance. There's two ways your hormones, your secretions, get brought back into balance. One is God heals you, and two is you get on medication. Fear, anxiety, and stress release hormones that over a long period of time 
will compromise your immune system. They will cause histamine malfunction. You'll wind up with allergies, with sinus infections. You'll also wind up with angina, hypertension or high blood pressure, asthma. The root of those things is fear, anxiety, and stress. Hypertension, high blood pressure is worried about tomorrow. Jesus said, take no thought about tomorrow. And everybody's worried about tomorrow. How are we going to pay our bills? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What happens when you enter into a place of high blood... This is no condemnation, folks. It's just understand what's going on, okay? When you enter into high blood pressure because of fear and anxiety and stress, it causes your cell walls in your, your, your blood vessels to become rigid. When they become rigid and they restrict, what happens is then your heart has got to pump that blood through harder to get it through the vein. And so what does that mean? That means your pressure goes up because it's having to work harder. And it's working harder because the cell walls got hard. The cell walls got hard because fear, anxiety, and stress. Okay? No condemnation, folks. We've got to learn a better way to live. Okay? All right. The pineal gland. The pineal gland controls the release of serotonin. Probably everybody's heard of serotonin. Serotonin is the feel-good hormone. You know, when you feel really good, you feel really happy, you feel good about yourself, that's because your pineal gland is, tele is releasing that serotonin into your bloodstream. It's going into your brain. And so but what happens is, if you don't like yourself, if you have difficulty with your identity, if you're struggling with guilt, self-rejection, and self-hatred, the pineal gland gets the message. Oh, we don't like ourselves. Okay. Your serotonin levels drop because you don't like yourself, because you feel guilty. Well, if I feel guilty, I don't need to feel good. That's how your pineal gland interprets that. Well, you shouldn't feel good because you're guilty. <laughs> and then you wind up depressed, clinically depressed. You go to the doctor, and what do they do? Give you Prozac. Because what happens? They're trying to get the serotonin levels boosted in your brain. Isn't that what they're doing? Right? They're trying to get your serotonin up. Eat chocolate. It's, it's cheaper. <laughs> no, seriously. Chocolate produces, helps produce serotonin. There's other ways to produce serotonin besides just going down and taking Prozac. So, like I said, it's either you either get what adjusted what's going on in your soul or you're going to have to medicate it. Because that's all the medication is doing is trying to compensate for the condition of your soul. Problem is, is you're still a mess. But now you're under medication. But you're not fixed, are you? You still got the same stuff. You still feel bad about yourself. You still feel guilty. But now you don't care so quite so much. <laughs> Low levels of serotonin will cause an increase in aggressive and angry behaviors, clinical depression. I got this from a medical statement, okay? Obsessive compulsive disorder, migraines, irritable bowel syndrome, tinnitus, fibromyalgia, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders, and your metabolism slows down and weight gain can occur. All from serotonin levels being too low. That's a pretty wide spectrum of things that can go on in a person's body. And why do your serotonin levels drop? Because you feel bad about who you are. You feel bad if you feel guilty. 
you're not happy with yourself. Folks, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Isn't this interesting? Isn't it really interesting? All right. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. For the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about the thoughts you're having about yourselves. It's time to bring those thoughts captive. If you are struggling with fear, anxiety, and stress, if you're struggling with guilt, if you're struggling with any of these things, if you've got allergies, if you've got heart trouble, if you've got any of these things I've already mentioned so far, folks, the root of it is getting, let's get you back to agreement with, with the kingdom of God. Remember, let's get you to where you're not opposing yourself any longer. But let's get you back to a place of spiritual homeostasis. Because when you're in a balance with Almighty God, you're at peace with God, peace with one another, and peace with yourself, your body is going to regulate. You see, folks, for so many years, we prayed the prayer in the name of Jesus. We believed God, we made faith confessions, and we weren't, and we weren't healed. I'm going to make a statement to you that's going to shock you. Because it really startled me when I first heard it. We are men and women and children who believe in the power of God. We believe in supernatural, divine healing and miracles. We have seen numbers of them. Isn't that true? We believe it. We've seen a lot of these things. And we know that was just God. We believe that healing is a part of our inheritance as children of God. The Bible says that by Jesus' stripes we have been healed. We believe that our healing was purchased for us in the atonement on the cross. Right? So this belongs to us. We've already read scriptures that God wants to bless us. He wants us to rest in his love. He wants to multiply us, okay? And we understand that disease is a curse. So why is it that when men and women who love God, who believe God's word about healing, who've had their, who, who have taken Jesus as their Savior and have prayed the prayer of faith, in faith, quote the scriptures in all confidence, how come they're not healed? Good question. We've all asked it. Well, maybe they didn't have enough faith. Folks, that's been used as a baseball bat on people for so many years, and it's just not right. How much faith did it take you to get born again? Jesus said faith is a grain of mustard seed. You know what? Faith works if it's not hindered by something else. Sometimes the prayer of faith Offered in the name of Jesus does not work because the Bible says, have you read it where the Bible says God has magnified his word above his name? Have you all read that in Psalms? I don't have the reference because I wasn't going to say this tonight. God has magnified his word above his name. This means if you're violating the word of God, even a prayer of faith in the name of Jesus won't get healed. Because God has exalted his word even above the name of Jesus. That's pretty startling, isn't it? That's pretty startling. Understand, though, God is merciful and he is sovereign. And many times he just does stuff because he's merciful and he's sovereign. Okay? And I've seen God heal lots of sinners. <laughs> People that weren't even trying to live, God, live for God. I've watched God do it in his mercy over and over again. But as we mature in the things of God, there is an increased responsibility we have to line up with God's kingdom. 
And it's not that God doesn't want to heal you. It's that sometimes God is wanting you to look at the spiritual root of your condition so that he can heal you. I realize I just opened a big can of worms with this because I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about cause and effect. Spiritual law. So, our thoughts need to be brought captive. You know, Jesus said, as I mentioned last week, when he healed the paralytic, he told him to go and to sin no more, lest the worst thing came upon him. The Bible says in James that let the sick call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint him with oil. They'll pray the prayer of faith. And if he has forgiven sins, they will be forgiven him. And the prayer of faith will raise him up. So if, this is not condemnation, folks. This is humility. Take an honest look at yourself. Have you had prayer for your condition already? If you have not been healed, and you know that you did what the Bible said, you prayed a prayer of faith, you had, you know, whatever, oil anointed, you know, confession amount, and if you're not healed, there's something else at work that's preventing it. There's a spiritual root that we've got to look at. There's something going inside of you that's messing with the hormones going through your body, and until that is dealt with, your body can't heal. If we dealt with the fear, the anxiety, and the stress, your body would not be squirting those hormones everywhere. Your body would naturally heal. There have been numerous, numerous accounts of people who received dramatic healings when all they did was forgive somebody, all they did was get rid of fear, all they did was begin to walk in faith and trust God. Dramatic healings. I've, I've heard so many stories about people who got healed when they just forgave somebody. Dramatically healed. Because it took that pressure off their system. And they were able to open up. Homeostasis is restored. And you know what? Your body is designed to heal. And if your body has been damaged to where it needs a miracle, God will grant you creative miracle. We've seen creative miracles, right? There are some, I mean, you know, let's face it. Sometimes, you know, a, a body part gets damaged to the point it, it doesn't regenerate. However, if we'll remove every obstacle to healing out of our lives and we'll get under position and just pray in faith and believe God, we're going to see a dramatic increase in miracles. We've already seen so many. We're going to see a lot more. Hallelujah. I want us to look at the last scripture. As I said, let's turn to 1 John. As I said in the beginning, remember it's gentleness correcting those in opposition. That God may grant them repentance that can lead to the knowledge of truth. That people can re return to their senses and come out of the snare of the devil. Do you see how the devil's operated? The devil wants you sick. He wants you to get sick and die young. And wants you to be miserable in your life. So what happens? If he gets you to sin, he gets your ancestors to sin, he causes these emotions and things to go in your body so you'll wreck your own immune system. And then a disease germ comes along and finds a very suitable environment. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what kind of condition any one of us has got. I'm looking to see everything 100% healed. Everything. 
But I will tell you, this is going to be your responsibility. You know, for many times I've heard people, they go get in the healing line. Well, you know, this one prayed for me, I didn't get healed. That one prayed for me, I didn't get healed. That one prayed for me, I didn't get healed. Okay, why don't we look at you? Okay, why don't we look at you? Why don't we take some humility and some honesty and say, okay, who are you mad at? Who have you not forgiven? Who broke your heart? What's going on inside of you that won't allow you to heal? Can you see where a little prayer ministry, a little counselor could come in and help and help somebody find out what's going on? We've used the expression, you know, it's, it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you, right? So what's eating you? What is bugging you that every time you see them, all of a sudden you got a headache? Every time you got this problem, you got that problem. We want to look at what's going on. In 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we will be called children of God, and such we are. Do you understand that God absolutely loves you? Absolutely love you. It's such a great love that he has bestowed upon us, a great love he's poured out on us. His heart is to love you, to heal you, to bless you, to prosper you, to multiply you, and to enjoy friendship with you. And it's so clear from Genesis all through the Bible. That's his heart. God's preference for you is not that you get healed, but that you stay healthy. You know, to where you don't need healing. You don't need a miracle because you're already well all the time. I think being healthy is better than getting, getting healed, don't you? Blood's better, right? This is, his, this is his heart. It's that we are his children. You know, healthy parents who love their children would give them anything they had within their power. They'll work two jobs, three jobs to put food on the table, to pay for, you know, violin lessons. They'll do whatever's necessary and sacrifice themselves for the benefit of their children. Almighty God would give, has already given us everything to enjoy, right? He's already sent Jesus so that that takes care of our sin problem, so that we can just enjoy a relationship with him. And he's given us the word of God so we can know how to think and how to behave. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us angelic protection. There are so many things that God has given to us because we're his kids. Behold how great love fathers bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Look at 1 John 4, verse 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Folks, when Adam and Eve sinned, they experienced fear for the first time. Do you remember your first time you experienced fear? I can't remember. I just remember that I was afraid as a little kid. And I had a healthy, strong family. But I even told my mom about it one day, and she says, afraid of what? I said, I don't know. I just remember something about being afraid when I was a small child. Fear is something that the devil sets up to put into your life to make you sick. 
And the Bible says that perfect love will cast out fear. So, folks, this is not about you and I have got to get a hold of a long list of rules and regulations about how to live. But this, what this means is we need a revelation. We need to know and believe the love that God has for us. Because if we have received in full measure the love God has for us, fear will have no place in us. And if fear has no place in you, neither does high blood pressure, neither does angina, neither do allergies. You see, what we need is a love infusion. Not a bunch of rules to follow, but a love infusion. And I'm here to tell you, we've been set up by the enemy, every last one of us. We've all been hurt. We've all sinned. We've all been set up trying to be destroyed by the enemy. But we're still living, we're overcoming, and we're relatively healthy. But you know what? We're getting more and more healthy. And we're people who are not just going to tolerate the work of the enemy, but we're going to begin to take responsibility for our own conditions. Now look, I don't care if you were born with this condition and you, or you, you know, got it as a kid. It may have been somebody else's fault. It may have, I mean, I don't know why. Maybe it's because 19 generations of you know, one kind of disease and it was in your gene pool. I don't know. But we're going to take responsibility. We're not going to be pointing the finger and blaming anybody else. We're not blaming mom or grandma or God. And folks, we've got to quit blaming the devil for everything. I mean, come on. When the door is open, he's coming in. We're just going to work on getting our, our holes plugged up, right? And so take responsibility. We're going to begin to really take responsibility. And, you know, as I was telling you last week, I told my kids for years, nobody gets away with anything. And at the time when I would tell them that, I was thinking about, well, you know, everybody stands before the judgment seat, and, and there's sowing and reaping, and if people are, you know, acting ugly in life, they're going to receive things in life. But realizing that you don't get away with anything in your thought life either. Because what's going on inside of here is going to manifest in your body. And anybody who does very much study in this is going to look at you, know what you're conditioned in, and know exactly the sin, know exactly where the breakdown is. This is why we've got to have compassionate, gentle ministry. Understanding that the Bible says we're not here to condemn anybody. We're not here to judge anybody. We're here understanding we've all got our own stuff to deal with. You know, Sharon was telling, telling a story before. Her blood pressure was going really down until she had this one day. This one day, what happened? She got upset. She got aggravated. It affected her physical body, but then she got back on top of it. Folks, things are going to happen in my life and your life that's going to try to disrupt us from the peace with God, peace with one another, and peace with ourselves. There are going to be things that are going to come, but you and I have to take those thoughts captive and take responsibility and own it. Now, let's, let's get out of the pity party. Poor me. I got this condition. Poor me. I got... Folks, that's not getting you anywhere. As a matter of fact, that's working against you. Because when you're saying, poor me, what's that doing to your immune system? Where did those thoughts come from? They didn't come from God. They came from the devil. Because if you can't, you know, you try everything. Let's get you to self-pity. Let's get you to feel sorry for yourself. Folks, we're getting smarter than this. We're going to learn to separate those thoughts we've been having. Say, so those are not my thoughts. The thought may come, but I'm not keeping it. I'm taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. And the more that we do this, and the more our minds are renewed with the Word of God, we're going to see increased levels of wholeness and healing.
We're going to see a dramatic increase. And as we begin to take, take charge of the conscious thoughts we're having, I believe over a period of time, you're going to start to become more aware of unconscious feelings you're having. Haven't you ever just, you know, woke up in a mood? Sure, sure we have. And you don't even know why you woke up in a mood? Because something's going on unconsciously. There's something that's being believed that needs to be changed. Hallelujah. Perfect love casts out fear, folks. I believe it's time to get rid of some fear tonight. I believe it's time to take responsibility for our conditions, begin to start taking an honest look at what's going on inside of us for anything that the devil might be trying to set us up for, trying to make us sick in the future. We can't afford to tolerate fear and anger and stress. They make you sick. You can't afford that. I can't afford that. Some of us are already sick because of it. Well, guess what? Now we're learning. Now we're getting on top of it. No condemnation, right? How many of you promise you're not going to point the finger at anybody for their condition? All right. Look at that. Because we all know we got our own stuff. So if you're 400 pounds overweight, we're not going to sit and judge and criticize you. If you wind up with some horrible disease, we're not going to sit and judge and criticize you. We want to be there to be for you that you may be healed and whole. Amen? Amen. If you would go ahead and just close your Bibles. and I want to take a few minutes to pray, and I've asked Tracy to do some ministry tonight. Beloved, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be the children of God. <coughs> Father God, the things that have been going on inside of us have been a love deficit. And we're beginning to understand, Lord, that we need an infusion of Father God's love to bring balance to our souls and our spirits, to our emotions, our motivation, even our memories, Lord God, to have an infusion of your love inside of us so that our bodies will function in a place of ease and peace and joy. So, Father God, we want to sit here tonight for a few minutes in your presence and say, Father, come. Come in your mercy. Forgive us, Lord God, for not knowing and believing your love. Forgive us, God, how we've been our own worst enemies, how we've been opposing ourselves. And, Lord, as we have been taken snare, we've been captured by the enemy because we didn't realize, we didn't understand these principles. So tonight, Lord God, we say we're learning. We're taking responsibility. And we choose to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we're not going to receive every thought that comes to our head anymore. Lord God, we're going to receive thoughts from God, things that will bring health and life and peace. In Jesus' name. Tracy. Father, I pray that you would just meet every person where they are, where they're sitting, not just in a physical place, but Lord, in a deep and emotional place. I pray that you'd meet them there. Lord, we know that these go back, these problems that each one of us experience go back to deep root issues. And right now, Lord, I pray that you would take each person and you would take them back to the deep root issues 
that this that these diseases started with. And Father, I pray that they would just take this moment to be silent before you, to meditate on you, on their heavenly Father's love for them. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to speak to them. Speak to the roots. Speak to the cause of the things that they're seeing in their life that they are not happy with. The physical abnormalities. What's going on in the soul. Show them, Father. Show them their own hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Show them your love. Your love that supersedes all the wrongs that have come in from even their earthly fathers. That perfect love, that unconditional love. Thank you, Father. God's starting to do some amazing things with this teaching that Donna's doing. And uh, for some of you, that might be kind of unusual to think of uh, on this level, but it makes so much sense. Um, I love this kind of stuff. And kind of tapped into this when you were doing the Destiny Spirit teaching. I love this kind of stuff because it makes sense. You know, science to me has always confirmed God. It's never been like this, like a lot of people think it is. I think people think of science and technology and think, oh, well, that's contrary to God. It's not. You know, he designed it all. He's the architect of it all. But he started tonight by doing some really deep work in these guys that, that were willing to come up. And uh, it does. It starts in those, those roots with Dad oftentimes. That's what we were targeting tonight was, was those that had some strong relationships with Father. But... Uh, I encourage you over the next week, present yourself before God. Because as Donna said, you know, nobody's going to look at you sideways. We all have issues that we're going to be working on. And we're here for you. Um, so it's going to be good. We're all going to come out healthier. We're all going to come out stronger. And I think we're all going to come out closer to one another. Because when you start dealing with things on this level, you find out that, hey, these are the people I can trust. These are the people who are with me. They are pulling for me no matter what it is I'm going through. Have a great week. And uh, we will see you next week. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church P.O. Box 15858 Chesapeake, Virginia 23328 Thank you.